Good Tuesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us live on all social platforms. The show archived on all social platforms as well. Today's program is going to be dynamite. We have Natalie Mastery in the house, the CEO and president of the Regional Chamber of Commerce here in Charlottesville. She's newly minted, and we're super pumped to introduce you to her when the camera goes on. Natalie Mastery, and, and uh, I can already tell a sister from a different mother, Letty Bian is in the house, a retired colonel. She's got moxie. She's got swagger. She's got the facts to back up what she's about to talk about here. And economic analysis on the defense sector's impact here in central Virginia. A report commissioned by the Chamber of Commerce and one that is undoubtedly impactful and influential already. I mean, I think we've literally have talked about this a couple times a week since the report was presented to elected officials. We love local news here. We want to highlight one of our partners, the Charlottesville Police Department. We back the blue on this network. We back what Chief Conscious is doing. We back local police officers, and we encourage anyone watching this program to be the change you want to see and join the Charlottesville Police Department, and let's get this department fully operational from a personnel standpoint. Chief Cotchis, Kyle Irvin, we love you guys here on the I Love Seville Network. We got newspapers and TV stations and radio stations watching us. I'll stop talking. Judah Wickhauer, let's welcome the ladies on a three shot to the program. Natalie Mastery and Letty Bien in the house. Ladies, good Tuesday afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks for having us. We're and really delighted to be here. Our pleasure. It's absolutely our pleasure. Natalie, we'll start with, your, with you first. CEO, President, Chamber of Commerce, newly minted, roughly 90 days on the job. Introduce yourself to everybody that's watching the program. Thanks, Jerry. Yes, so um, June 1st was uh, my start date. I am just super delighted to have this opportunity to be leading the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce. It's truly an honor. My background is actually with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, so um, for many years I uh, worked um, in different positions on both the chamber side and also on the foundation side. So for those who don't know, the U.S. Chamber is the umbrella organization for state and local chambers of commerce, um, representing the interests of millions of businesses and really the voice of business in Washington, D.C., the foundation is really the educational and research arm of the chamber. So um, although I uh, was working with the U.S. Chamber, I actually was located in Charlottesville. I have actually been a resident of Charlottesville since 2005. So um, we are raising our family here. We absolutely love it here. And I'm just really delighted to be able to engage with the local business community. It's very different. My purview with the U.S. Chamber was much more national. This is really an opportunity to engage with local stakeholders and local businesses. And, uh, you know, the Chamber represents just a wide array of businesses. So it's really, it's just exciting. It's an exciting time to be in business in Charlottesville and Albemarle. Amen. Amen, Amen to that. I want to give some props to Rob, her husband. Rob is the man. Love you, Rob Mastery, right there. Um, I can't wait to highlight all the amazing things the Chamber does. Letty's got fans already giving her props. Kelly Rose Harris Silver says, Hey, Letty, how are you? She's watching the program on the I Love Seville group right now. Travis Hackworth in Danville, hello, my friend. Newspapers and TV will get to news here in a matter of moments. First, I want to personalize, humanize, and localize these ladies. 
The show is yours, Letty. Anywhere you want to go, introduce yourself to those that are watching. Well, thank you for having us. Our it's, pleasure. it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I, my name is Letty Bien. I re, I'm a retired Army colonel. I did 30 years. Um, most of it uh, started active duty, went into the United States Army Reserve, which is fabulous. So I had an entire civilian career. At the same time, I had a military career. My resume looks totally fake, because even fate looks fake to me, because we did so much stuff simultaneously. My husband and I moved here from Miami about 12 years ago here to Charlottesville. Uh, my husband didn't want to get old in Miami, and we sort of ended up here. We knew absolutely nobody, and I started to look at what the defense community was looking like, and that's how I got myself so involved in it. Um, I was a military intelligence officer for 17 years, and then I branch transferred to special operations and civil affairs. I have two deployments in Iraq and then all over South and Central America. Um, and I'm proud to say I'm an Army paratrooper. So there you have it. She is a baller, guys. We love <laughs> Letty on this program. Questions are already coming into the show, guys. Thomas, I promise you we're going to get to the economic analysis. Um, he's asking Letty some questions about that. We'll get to it in a matter of moments. First, I want to highlight all the amazing things that Natalie has planned. 90 days on the job. So we, we, we're going to preface that by saying she's just getting started, but she is a goal-oriented, process-oriented businesswoman. Talk to us of what's coming down the pipe, the percolator. What do you want to see from this, this organization? Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. Well, you know, our mission remains, you know, being the advocates for a thriving regional business um, sector, thriving regional economy. That is, that's the priority. We want to see this community and businesses here succeeding. And we do that in three ways. Um, I call it the three C's. So we are a convener. We bring the business community together to talk about important issues and to identify solutions to those important issues. We also, as a Chamber of Commerce, of course, convene people for networking. It is a really incredible way to build your business. Um, you know, just last week we hosted a Let's Connect over at the forum with more than 150 people there. It's really, joining a chamber is really an incredible way to build your business. So that's sort of the convening part of what we do. The second C is around championing. So once we've identified those really critical business issues, we champion those issues, advocate, and, and indicate, you know, this is what we feel strongly about, how we, how we can really be moving the business community forward on those really important business issues. And then being a catalyst for growth and change. So, you know, the chamber, this is actually our 110 year anniversary. Yes. That's a milestone. It really is. And so we have been a part of some really important community, you know, the down, establishment of the downtown mall, the network to work initiative, the convention and visitors bureau. We've been a part of those really key um, initiatives, and we are really excited about the next chapter and what Charlottesville is is going to be in the future. I love it, Vanessa Parkhill, giving Letty some props. Wow, in all caps, she's the queen <laughs> of Earliesville, a small business owner. Vanessa Parkhill, she says, Letty, thank you, thank you, thank you for your service. Appreciate your continued contribution to our community. Similar comments from Grayson, who's a small business owner. He's watching in North Downtown. Jerry, I love your show, and I love when you interview local stakeholders. Letty's resume, 
OMG is all I got to say. This coming from Spencer, another small business owner watching the program. He says, Jerry, thank you for highlighting this interview. I can't wait to hear the impact of this economic study. I promise you guys we will get to it in a matter of moments. I promise, promise, promise. Let's weave Letty into the mix here. Why the um, continued commitment to the local chamber? What is it you like about working with Chamber of Commerces? Well, I was a chamber president in uh, Coral Gables, Florida, um, and I've seen how a thriving chamber can really make a difference for even small businesses. And it's, you know, there's the networking part, which is all fine and good, but it's the really rolling up your sleeves, identifying what you need, and a chamber is there to help you do that. And so when I got here, um, you know, Natalie speaks about championing a sector. And right now, um, one of the sectors we are championing is the defense sector, and that's how we've rolled into all of this other stuff that, that we're going to talk about today. So I came in and uh, like 12 years ago, and I joined the chamber just so I could meet some folks, and they had a defense roundtable, and it was called the DIRT defense round table and I said no no that's not going to work it's a tough acronym oh I mean really it was almost <laughs> insulting and so Deborah Van Ersel of the UVA Foundation and Adrian Feltz of Signature Science we all got together and, and we addressed some issues and sort of that was the impetus for the starting of the of really growing what was instead of a round table became the defense affairs committee of the Charlottesville Regional Chamber and then I was hired in about four years ago I'm in my fourth year now to really start to pull this together um, because nobody knew anything about it and there's so much to know and so that's sort of how that that got started so we fall under the chamber um, we're a proud committee under the chamber, and um, we've been we've been tearing it up, babe. You have been tearing it up. I'll give um, Natalie an opportunity here to highlight um, even more with the chamber. Then we'll get into the economic analysis here. I've seen I've been here 23 years, been uh, self-employed, a small business owner for 15 of the 23 years. We mentioned in the pre-production meeting 103 active clients with our branding firm, VMV Brands. I have seen the chamber. Um, go through evolutions. <laughs> um, go through evolutions of zest and invigoration to maybe being a little quieter and behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Right. Um, I, I watched Elizabeth Cromwell come in and really invigorate it um, mm -hmm. after her predecessor had been there a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, we love what Elizabeth had done uh, with the Chamber of Commerce. I want to throw this to you. How do you continue that invigoration and that zest, that engagement, and maybe amplify it and take it to another level? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think really key is engaging all of our stakeholders. So we have, you know, small businesses that are member and members, and they join for different reasons than some of the larger companies. It's really important for us to be open and to be listening, and that's just a huge part of my role right now is to be listening and learning about what the business community needs. And I really want to emphasize, you know, that the, the chamber is for business. It is for 
businesses of, of all shapes and sizes and industries and, you know, nonprofits as well. And um, there are wonderful organizations doing great things. And I want to make sure that this Chamber of Commerce really is strengthening business in Charlottesville and Albemarle. I love it. We're going to get to the economic analysis here. I'm going to highlight some folks watching the program. Travis Danville, Jamie Turner in the defense sector. I know he works there. He just can't tell me what he does. We love you, <laughs> Jamie Turner. Dr. Karen Wolf, welcome to the program. Katie Pearl, small business owner, welcome to the program. Dr. Rebecca Downey, small business owner, welcome to the program. Lauren Keswick, Carol Thorpe, hello. Thank you for joining us. Bob Yarbrough in Redfields. Neil Williamson, we love you. Aaron King is watching in Feast on West Main Street. Heather Walker, maybe in Johnson Village. <laughs> Mayor Lloyd Snook, thank you kindly for watching the show down the hallway. Board of Supervisor Jesse Rutherford from Nelson County, thank you for watching the program. Activist attorney Jeffrey Fogel, thank you for watching the show. Herb Porter, hello. Sarah Hill Buchensky, I can continue. Thomas Leroy, we love you guys. Letty, the show is yours. Judah, you have a PowerPoint presentation. Just be on the lookout for calls from Letty about which slide she wants to see on screen. Why don't we start open-ended, set the stage of this economic analysis for the viewers and listeners. Well, great. So, um, if you want to just go to slide two, and, and we'll start with, you know, what was the motivation for doing this? Um, I will tell you that the Virginia Department of Veteran and Defense Affairs is a very robust organization, and it's been that way under um, governors from all parties. So a lot of support out of the state. And they have been doing sort of fact book analysis over the years, and they included our area with an, a region that went all the way up to Manassas, and it was just it was just really big, and the numbers still look small to me. And so, one of the things we wanted to do was quantify what those what was missing from the Virginia Fact Book, um, and we wanted to see what the impact of Ravana Station was um, to our area, and what were the contributions that were coming in from the industry that we have here, both large and small. And then really to ferret out those little pieces that, uh, you know, the state's going to look at the big 100,000 view. We, like, really tried to get into finding out things. So we included, like, recruiters and, and the ROTC departments and, and things of that sort. And so it was, and we just covered, it, it's just Albemarle, the city of Charlottesville, and Greene County. Um, and that's the, the entirety of the um, economic impact study. And so um, we then uh, needed to find a way who was going to do it, how we're going to pay for it. And the Weldon Cooper Center stepped up. Um, we still paid them. Um, and I'm happy to say that the Albemarle County, the city of Charlottesville, and the UVA Foundation all made the contribution to pay for that study. And then it was, you know, then we were all in. We were, we had to go get all of the information. Um, uh, uh, the, Coop, the Weldon Cooper Center did a great job, but it can only do with what they could find that gets reported from the federal government for the most part. So, but the, we've got the report, we've got the study, and if you want to go to slide three, we'll just sort of show you, tell you what's in that study. Now, I will tell you, you can find the study on the Chamber's mm -hmm. website. Yeah. I believe it's also on the county's website. It's on the website of the Central Virginia Partnership for Economic Development. Um, that's Helen Cawthon's um, group. And, uh, and I think the state probably might have it on as well. 
Um, it's electronic. It's easy to download. And we hope everybody um, read, the, read the executive summary. You don't want to read 140 pages of modeling and all of that you know, statistical data, which even don't ask me. If anyone's going to ask me any questions on that, I don't have the answer. So about the study, the report comes out and it speaks about the description of what we have here in our area, the history, the size, you know, the growth, and the features that of the report. Uh, they're in the report. What the economic impact was in 2021, only 2021, a COVID year to boot. So um, it's it, the bottom line. They do some historical numbers, like from 2012 to 2021, but the number we're going to see is from 2021 only. Okay. And then we also talk about in the report what this community, this defense community, adds to the quality of life in our region. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people, meaning you know, both the the in uniform as well as the those who work for the defense sector that are civilians. They coach little league. They work at the SPCA, they're involved with Red Cross, they're involved in, in so many community things that it adds to the quality of life of our community. And so that was um, sort of the impetus. And then if you go to number four, just so I can set this, the stage as you've asked me, Jerry, Please. is w what was considered the defense community here in our area? Well, of course, it was Ravana Station. Now, everyone knows NGIC, and you hear people go, oh, NGIC. NGIC is one tenant in a sub-installation called Ravana Station. Ravana Station is owned, if you will, as a ge geographical area by Fort Belvoir, which is on the East Coast. And so they're like the big landlord. And then there's three major tenants. National Ground Intelligence Center, or NGIC, is one of those tenants. It is an Army element. It reports up to the, through INSCOM, which, of course, I'm going to acronym you all to death today. <laughs> so if you need to know, send Jerry a notice, and we'll, we'll go with, we, we, we'll send out a list of acronyms. Thank you, Letty. <laughs> um, they have about 1,200 people in NGIC. Only 100 are in uniform. Everybody else is civilian. Very STEM, PhD-oriented, a lot of research and development information kind of things go on there. I can't tell you much more, otherwise I have to shoot everyone in this, in this studio. <laughs> Including Liza the dog? No, she's the only one who gets... She can stay. She stays. Okay. She's my bud. <laughs> and so um, the rest are civilians, um, D Department of Defense or Department of the Army uh, employees, and then contractors who've got contracts are in the building. The second largest tenant is Defense Intelligence Agency, field activity. It is a defense, it reports up to the Department of Defense. It's about the same size, the same amount of, of people in uniform, about 100. And then, the, and then the third is the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. So I won't go into what they do. Um, I hope that the title should tell you enough, but they are in support then of the, of the other two as well as other national um, entities in the intelligence community. So we included Ravana Station. We included the Department of Defense contracts in the region that we were able to identify. We have the Judge Advocates General's Legal Center and School over near on the grounds of UVA. An amazing organization. It has, it has the largest, if you will, it's the largest law firm in the world. <laughs> it's all the Army lawyers, reserve, guard, and active duty. Um, they do many classes over there, not just um, for lawyers, but also for um, 
uh, court reporters and legal assistants and, and, and even commanders so they learn about the Uniform Code of Military Justice before they take command of a unit. So it's a very robust organization. University of Virginia, tons of DOD contracts. We have students there on the post-9-11 GI and Montgomery Bill. We have the RTC departments. We have active duty military who are there getting master's degrees because, for example, you can't teach at a service academy unless you have a master's degree. So the, the different um, Air Force, Navy, whatever, will allow someone to go to school. They'll choose somebody. They'll go to school, pay for them to get their master's degree, and then they'll go teach at West Point or Air Force Academy or Naval Academy. And so all of them are there. And then we've got a whole host of university startups that came out of DOD mm -hmm. funding. We included veterans to the extent we could. We included Reserve and National Guard. And then other small entities like um, PVCC has a boatload of, of, of student veterans there. So folks who've come out of school and they're now working to get their degree. Um, and the recruiters that are here. So all of that was taken into account for this, for this study. So now you have the big picture. I love it. I love it. Questions are already coming in on, on what you're talking about. And Natalie, you jump in anytime you want. I will follow your lead and adapt <laughs> to you guys here. This is a fantastic question that's come in from, Car um, from Carol Smith. It's a two-part question. Janice Boyce Trevelyan, your question's in this one as well. Carol said, is the study completely conclusive in your opinion? Or as we talked about, Letty, is it an underestimation of the actual dollars in this community? She feels it's much higher than it is. And then she also adds to this, and Janice Boyce Trevelyan asked this on a different Facebook page, was there any concern that the study may risk safety with anyone involved um, in the defense sector locally? So it's a two-part question. All right, well, we, we haven't said the number. Uh -huh. <laughs> so the number came in for 2021 at just over 1.2 Billion. With a B. With a B. With a B. <laughs> with a B. You can go ahead and give, show that slide if you want to, um, with my big bit, my my rolls of dollar bills. And that slide number is. Um, it looks like five. Slide five, the one with the dollar bills on the <laughs> dollar dollar bills there. Yes, my husband likes to say one thousand two hundred million in twenty twenty one. So it came in at $1.2 billion for 2021 with all of the stuff we were able to get. And yes, Carol, I believe it is. You are correct. It is actually what I believe personally is under. And that's not because the study um, was faulty. It's because you can only get information that the government puts out under in certain kind of reports. And in, in instances where you have something that's highly classified, it's not going to show up. And so with that, those are the kind of things I, I certainly believe we have some of those here, and so none of those are showing up. The other problem is, unless you can identify contracts and get into where the contracts are being let, like by zip code, then you're not going to see that. So, for example, we have Booz Allen here. We have MITRE here. We have Battelle here. They're all involved with with. DOD contracts, but it didn't show up for here because their headquarters are in Northern Virginia or Potomac or someplace else. And so those numbers we don't have unless we specifically went and touched on them. Uh, Luna Labs is a perfect example. It's a it's a organization, a defense um, organization, if you will. I mean, they do a lot of things, but also for defense. And they were in headquartered in Roanoke, where they had six employees. They have 65 in the city limits of Charlottesville. So they didn't show up. And we know they're doing stuff. So yes, I believe it is under. I don't know that we'll ever be able to capture the full extent of it. 
The second part, did we put anyone at risk? There are no names. There are no specifics. It is um, anytime we talk about uh, salaries or anything like that, it's, a, it's an aggregate. So the answer is no. Um, I don't think anyone's at risk except maybe me. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's sanitized enough that I think everyone is, is pretty safe. I love it. We'll get Natalie in the mix here. I'm going to highlight some folks watching. Nathan King, the attorney. He's a small business owner. Olivia Branch watching at Keswick Hello. Olivia. Dr. John, the owner of Pro Renata, watching the program right now. We love you, John. Valerie, welcome to the program. Valerie Young, a business owner on the program here. Viewers and listeners, you can offer perspective. Lisa Custolo, Cherry Avenue's finest. Kevin Higgins in Greenwood. Kevin Yancey in Waynesboro. I got six different states watching us right now on the program. We welcome the questions. Seven elected officials watching you guys right here. Um, this report, and this could be to both you guys, this might be um, a question for Letty, but I want to talk about the, um, the business aspect of this for you, Natalie, as well. Um, 462 acres under study. We believe this study is going to be lead to a close. Mm -hmm. Al County's ponying up $58 million of taxpayer dollars, mm -hmm. uh, $58 million to purchase 462 acres from a man that knows how to negotiate, Wendell Wood and his family. The guy is a shrewd negotiator. In fact, Wendell has said that you cannot go in or out, in or out of Almoro County without seeing one of his properties when you're leaving or entering Almoro County. Dr. Hurt told me that as well. Why don't I throw this to Natalie first how can we utilize this purchase that's on the horizon to further strengthen the business community? Yeah, well, Jerry, that's a great question. And I know that Donna Price was on your show uh, not long ago. And what something that she said really struck me about how the land and the purchase of the land is perhaps the most significant economic development initiative that this region has undertaken since the founding of the University of Virginia. That's what she said. I, that was, yeah. you that's know. That's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. Yeah. And But I think that speaks to how significant the purchase is and how extraordinarily forward thinking it is. And it's obviously not something that happened overnight. It had been in the works for well over five years. Um, and it's something that's getting national attention. And so as a chamber, um, we didn't take a position on the purchase of the land, but we did indicate that we think that private enterprise should have the opportunity to locate there. So there was a, um, a hearing, an Albemarle Board of Supervisors hearing uh, in June, where in order, essentially, in order um, to have private enterprise, there had to be a hearing. So otherwise, it would have only been educational and government entities that could locate at Ravana Station Futures, so the, the, the defense campus. And so we took a position that, indeed, we do think that private enterprise should also have the opportunity to, to be up there. And, um, and it's, again, you know, these, it's a, these, you know, military um, installations have huge economic benefits um, for the community, and um, they're you know they're bringing high-paid technical jobs to the region. And it's not just those jobs, but it's all of the indirect impact. Um, and I know that the study really delves into that as well. So not just the direct jobs and impact, but the the indirect as well. And so it's it's very critical to the future of this region. Questions are coming in fast and furious. Guys, we will get as many questions as possible. Letty, you have something to add. Yeah, I, I do want to say something. Um, I know a lot of eyebrows were raised with the counties and tax dollars to, to 
let's just say, assume that it, it, that it closes, which we don't know. They're in due diligence. That The road that that's on is called Boulder's Road for a reason. <laughs> you know, if it's going to be impossible to build or do things that, that are they're looking to maybe do, then, you know, we don't have a sale. But assuming everything goes through, you've got to understand that Ravana Station, there was other locations. St. Louis. St. Louis being one that offered something like 100 free acres for DOD to move Ravana Station. Uh, you know, everyone wants to talk about a housing that's affordable. Well, let me tell you, there'd be such a glut at that point, there'd be plenty of, of affordable housing because everyone, I mean, you're talking over 7,000 jobs. Um, and then and that's families, that's schools, that's all of that. And so um, they took this very forward-thinking step to provide a buffer for the neighbors. I mean... I don't think Wendell would do that, but what if Wendell sold the property right next to it to a Chinese company? You'd, they'd be gone in a minute. Defense would, would pull them out in a minute. And so what we did is we have a buffer from neighbors to ensure there's no incompatible uses. Um, we want to shape, be able to shape future adjacencies, um, partnership with the state, the feds, the private sector, academics, um, you know, the whole milieu. And, and what the county is envisioning is an intelligence community innovation acceleration campus that goes from North Fork on both sides of the road, North Fork and, the, and where they are, all the way up to Green County. An intelligence corridor, research, development, workforce training. Uh, it's, it's just, I mean, nothing has been actually put down for sure, because you have to crawl, walk, run, as we say in the military. And so once this, if the sale goes through, then we would, they'll start to look at what the next steps are. But this is, this is an opportunity to grow mission essential, uh, mission critical operations for defense. Um, we are so perfectly located. We're close to DC, but not too close. And when you think in terms of things that could happen, you know, God forbid something happens in D.C. from bad actors, we are still up and running here. And so the, um, as well as other locations around the country, I don't want to say that we're the only one, but we're certainly the closest. So it was, it was real forward thinking, and this was something the county's been working on probably since about 2017. Our report, I think, just confirmed the decision that the Board of Supervisors had already made. And so I think it made them feel really comfortable. <laughs> I could tell you the state was very happy with our numbers. Their concern was what if they came in lower than they came in. And obviously that isn't what happened. So I just, I think it's just important, and obviously Donna is the better person to talk about what their concept is, but from where I stand and from what I hear from the defense community and the state, um, this, is, this is exactly as she said, which was the most largest economic impact decision since the university. That's significant. James Watson, we'll get to your comment. Philip Reese, we'll get to your comment. Uh, Matthew is watching, and Louisa will get to his comment as well. Viewers and listeners, if you have questions, put them in the feed here. This is a fantastic question from Matthew and Louisa. How do you think that this expansion or this campus, I mean, he says we're talking a sizable piece of property, a sizable parcel, is going to drive new bodies to our community, and those new bodies that do come to the community, can you estimate what kind of salaries that they will be earning when they do come to our community? That's a great question. Well, I first want to make the point that 
this concept and growing the defense business is not just great for Albemarle, Charlottesville, and Green. It's also good for the surrounding entities. 100%. Last week, MITRE Corporation, located here, they're, well, they're located not here, headquarters, but um, they're here. They opened a drone range in Orange County. And so this is just an example of how it can spread around. Um, as far as, I will say that a lot of the folks who retire out of here, first of all, want to stay here. So we have very skilled folks, whether they're from the JAG school, whether they're from up in Ravana Station, whatever, they want to stay here. And with a defense community that is growing, they can still then go to work for the private sector or the government as a civilian, and we keep those folks here. So that's number one. Number two is, as people come in, I mean, this sector, frankly, does have the full range of employment. You can, be, you can come out of high school and go to work at Northrop Grumman as an assembler. And they will help you. They'll pay for college. They'll do all kinds of stuff. People just don't realize that. So you do have entry-level positions. But the majority of those right now, particularly, let's say, at Ravana Station, you're talking about folks' um, average salaries are well over you know, $90,000. Um, and then all the benefits that come with that as well. And obviously that changes with cost of living, with jobs, with the civilian environment because it's so competitive right now, um, particularly like in AI and, and robotics and, and cyber. Um, so th there are adjustments that are constantly being made, but I think it's, it's really quite good for everybody. Remember, Every time someone you know, purchases a home, buys something, that's tax dollars that go to our base that help with all the other things that we want to be able to provide for our citizenry. This report, um, Natalie, I'll throw this to you, I feel like comes at just a fantastic time. I mean, you're starting your tenure. You have tangible and palpable data backed by, I mean, in part commissioned by your organization. Um, data that can be utilized and leveraged a number of different ways from driving um, the business ecosystem, putting tailwinds and momentum behind it. How do you, um, what are your aspirations or some of your goals to utilize this report moving forward in your first year as president and CEO? Yeah, Jerry, well, it is, a, a, I, I love data, I love numbers, <laughs> and I love anything that can really demonstrate impact. And so, to be honest with you, I'd love to have something like this for All every, sectors. exactly yes. every sector or you know the the economy here broadly. And if anyone wants to fund that, <laughs> my email is natalie.mosry at civilchamber.com um, because certainly I think that's one of the most critical. Um, components here is putting together the 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 study the kind of um, pinnacle research that would help identify really what business means to Charlottesville and to Albemarle and in order to be able to grow and for people to really understand what it means we need that hard data well said I would say if we can you know back of the napkin here three people at the coffee shop shooting the you know what we got the University of Virginia number one in the slot for economic impact. I think that's clear-cut. We're on agreement yes. there. Yes. Defense sector looks like it's a clear-cut two. Mm -hmm. I mean, clear-cut two. We are. What do we think three, four, and five here? Hospitality, yeah. tourism, mm -hmm. and the third slot? Four slot, maybe what? Realtor, real estate, housing, yeah. everything and, on that and, umbrella? 
I mean, how do you see it shaking out? And, and the and, whole and biotech the sector bio is okay, really growing too. Yeah. Well, you know, the biotech sector and defense mm -hmm. sector do do there is yeah. some overlap. Right. And I'm not sure how much we captured or how much um, we stole from them for our numbers. I I, I don't know that, but I, I think that we have. The important thing about this, about doing this report, is that everyone didn't think they were affected by it. Mm -hmm. The only thing, you know, when you talk to someone about the defense sector, you know, it's all those secret squirrels and mm -hmm. they um, and the defense companies. Well, no, it's real estate that affects real estate. It affects retail. It affects hospitality. It affects, I mean, the travel in and out of here. Every year, if you could see how many people are coming and going at the JAG school, they have a class of 100 and, about 120 kid, people, families that come in here for 10 months, and they're here for 10 months, and then they're gone, and they rent places, they eat, they, they live here for those 10 months, and they're gone. At the same time, other classes are going on. And so it affects all sectors, and having these numbers, mm -hmm. as Natalie loves to have, is, is when I speak to folks, I said, look, who here is in real estate? Who here is in hospitality? Who here is in retail? Who here? It affects everything. Mm -hmm. So if we grow it, I mean, I'm a believer in rising sea lifts all ships. 100%. And if we grow it, it's good for everybody. If, if we lose it, we will all pay that price. Fantastic mm -hmm. take. I agree a thousand percent. Philip Reese, we'll get to your comment here. I have an interesting statistic we've been highlighting on the network over the last couple of weeks. According to HUD, the area median income for each household in the Charlottesville footprint is $123,300. $123,300 area median income per household, according to HUD. It's a hell, of a hell of a statistic right there, and it shows you there's some deep, deep pockets in this community right here. Philip Reese has this comment. I'll throw it to either one of you guys. Um, prior to coming under contract for the land, technically it's under study. Is that how I would due characterize diligence. it? Due diligence. Due diligence. Okay. Yeah. But he says prior to going under due diligence for the land, did Albemarle County ask DIA or INJIC about whether it had any future expansion plans at Rivanna Station? And how would, how would the, uh, I'll add a, a backup to that, how would we have characterized the legitimate threat of someplace like St. Louis luring the sector away from Charlottesville and Albemarle County? Want me to take it? Yes. <laughs> it's a good question, Philip. Thank you, Philip. Um, well, first of all, I can't say what Dep Department of Defense thinks. I mean, we, the Ravana Station right now is undergoing a very large capital project. At the end of the day, between 2022 and 2024, about $90 million. Um, they're expanding the Nicholson building, they're building a, a car garage, and so. It, it, in, it about 523 jobs at this, in construction while this is ongoing. And someone would say, well, obviously the Department of Defense would never move if they're now investing $90 million. $90 million is a spit in the defense That's budget. Peanuts. It's It's not even peanuts. Yeah. It's paper peanuts. <laughs> and it's, you know, the things that you have in your packing box. Uh, and if they found a better deal that over the long term made sense, they would move. I, I've been involved with BRACs before. I was involved in the Homestead Air Reserve Base, Air, Homestead Air Force Base down in, in South Florida. I mean, th that 90 million infusion means nothing. They could walk away. And so, whereas I have no idea how they're thinking or what the thoughts were, um, I think you have to be cognizant and prepared at any time to know what you have, 
and do what you need to do to maintain it and then move forward and grow it. Um, there was a second part to that question, but the, the second part of the question was um, my part. How do we? How legitimate was the threat of St. Louis luring these folks away? I mean, I would say fairly legitimate, right? A hundred acres for free? That's something people are going to consider. A lot of communities, though, will do that to get defense in there. Uh -huh. um, I will tell you, the new unit, the U.S. Southern Command um, building in the city of in Miami. Um, it's technically not in the city limits, but the state gave them a huge chunk of land to build a brand new building some 10, 15 years ago, um, and it was it was free. Um, and a lot of places will do that. And you have to understand, when they brack some places, there's a lot of room on some bases to move some of these entities back on, onto a base. And so it depends on the mission and a lot of other issues, but they're consolidating. And consolidation is a very real threat, no mm -hmm. question about that. Because, you know, communities get you know, are upset when all of a sudden they lose an a Air Force base or an Army fort or something like that. So I think the, the threat is always credible. I like it. Um, Roger Voisinet says hello from Smith Falls, Ontario. <laughs> Ontario in the house. I believe we got some Canadian ties on set right here with We Natalie. absolutely do. Hello. Uh, Shout out Canada. <laughs> uh, on the show. Um, I have talked about on this program over the last couple months the impact of two schools, the Data Science School, uh, funded by friend of the program, Joffrey Woodruff, and the Paul Manning Biotech School, um, along with UVA increasing enrollment. Paul Manning's Biotech School, a hundred-plus million dollar donation for Mr. Manning. Um, the University of Virginia has already gone on record, and they expect two to 3,000 people minimum to come to this area, most of them, if not all, with deep six-figure jobs. Data Science School, the expectation is two to 3,000 minimum coming to this area with deep six-figure jobs. And the University of Virginia has said over the next 15 or 20 years, we're going to noticeably increase enrollment along with hiring to accommodate or service that enrollment. So maybe eight to 10,000 additional citizens over the next five to 10 years in this area. I'll throw this to you guys. How does the area accommodate such depth and wealth coming to Central Virginia, most notably Charlottesville and Almaro County, infrastructure-wise, ecosystem-wise, maybe policy-wise. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. That entire topic to you guys, anywhere you want to go with that one. Hmm. You want to start? Sure, yeah. It's certainly, it's a lot to unpack, but these are the kinds of things that we need to be actively thinking about and planning for. So I think it's really, really critical that, um, you know, the Chamber has five public policy focus areas and we are looking at things like infrastructure. So not only how do we maintain the current infrastructure, but what are the investments that we need to be making in additional infrastructure to help um, sustain and, and be a place where we can accommodate all of these additional people. Um, and then, you know, we have policy areas around, you know, economic vitality and really expanding economic opportunities. And this certainly falls in that category. This is a huge expansion of what's possible here in Charlottesville, which is super exciting. And then on the education and workforce training, you know, we need a well-educated, well-trained um, workforce to be able to meet the needs of business. And so these are all really critical issues that our public policy committee is looking at and discussing. And in fact, you know, we have an exciting event on the 23rd, or pardon me, 27th of 
September that um, is going to be talking, you know, it's got more of a legislative focus, but, you know, what are some of these really, really critical business issues and, and looking towards the elections, right, because that season is ramping up, um, what does all of this mean for business? Catherine Lochner watching the program. She ran for Alamore County School Board. You have, a, you have a handful of electeds literally watching you right now. Letty, that question to you. Well, first of all, you forgot a couple things. There's the uh, School of Engineering and Applied Science. That's right. That has you know, DOD contracts, and they're very um, engaged in all that kind of stuff. And then the Batten School has a National Security Policy Center. So we're hoping that those guys doing policy over at Batten are coming up with some good ideas that they can <laughs> share with the community. Um, and as far as, you know, obviously the county now is looking at its comprehensive plan. And, you know, I, I do think it's a lot of people need to come together. In another uh, couple of weeks, I believe, um, PVCC, um, Dr. Runyon is having an, an event um, mm -hmm. to talk about workforce mm -hmm. and what's needed here. Yep. And part of that, in, that intelligence incubator and innovation center that the universe that the, the county wants to eventually do will also include workforce training we need um, companies now to get in the schools and and be judges for our science fair we don't have enough and and we need folks to do that we need people to give middle school kids some mentoring in the stem areas we there's a lot of things people can do that they're not doing and i consistently see some of the same people on lots of boards the rest of you all need to get out there and com and commit and and give something back to this wonderful community that we have. There is a need for this, but these you know th these kids are in their. I mean, they'll be great drone drivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, there's a lot that needs to be done, and there's not you know one you know king or queen who could pull all of it together and say, okay, here's where we're going, and there's a lot of different. Um, Sectors, I guess, or not even sectors, a bunch of little uh, like silos. Silos. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. I was, I'm old, you know. I, it was a, a senior moment. Um, a bunch of silos with everyone getting ready to do all kinds of things, and so some things are being lost, and some things are being overcovered, and that's the thing. Me, as just a basic citizen of the community, you know, gets concerned about. That's a great take, um, James Watson, business owner actually a business owner in the defense sector, he says it would be awesome to see the defense industry provide training and jobs in our area for our local community members who could benefit from opportunities that come with defense sector employment. Definitely need some major road improvements on 29 quarter to accommodate the anticipated population growth in that area. You've touched on that. One of the things that is undoubtedly gentrifying this community is the new um, businesses that are being birthed within the community are hiring from outside the community. And as they hire from outside the community, they're attracting six-figure citizens who move into the community and essentially cannibalize existing real estate that otherwise would go to locals. How do we shift, and, and both you guys are stakeholders. Natalie, I think you could be a, a, a leader in this one here with your position with the chamber. How do we adjust the mindset, encourage change in the mindset to hire from within mm -hmm. the schools, folks that live here, as opposed to attracting talent from elsewhere and bringing it here. Yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's a totally valid point, Jerry, and I think that really takes concerted effort between the different sectors. So it's got to be business, 
working with educational institutions, working with the nonprofits, the, you know, working with the trade schools, making sure that um, that the skills that are in our workforce actually match the needs of the businesses that have those opportunities. And so there are certainly, and again, you know, I'm very new in this role, but, um, you know, for instance, the U.S. Chamber has a whole program called Talent Pipeline Management, and it's exactly that. It's really helping guide those very critical partnerships between the sectors. And there are plenty of examples of what other communities are doing to help provide those solutions and those um, pipelines for talent. Scott Proctor, hello. Business owner watching the program right now. Sandra McDaniel, thank you for watching the program. Mika Anderson, Amanda Burns, thank you for watching the show. Scott I Thorpe, business yeah, owner, commercial broker, watching the program as we speak. Uh, both local newspapers on the feed right now. Your thoughts on that topic, Letty? Will we just, will on the we workforce? Just kind of, yeah, on the workforce. You know, there's a, there are the positions that are right now. And so when you need somebody who has meets a certain requirement right now, you, you do it. Um, and then there's the planning for the intermediate and the future. If I mean, if this Ravenna Futures goes through, it's not something that's going to happen in a year or two. I mean, obviously, it's going to be 5, 10 years, 20 years is when we'll see that. I think there are some organizations here in town that are looking at that and trying to identify what the needs are. The thing that, that I'll bring up is the hiring of veterans. Uh, there's a program called Virginia Values Veterans. It's called it's the V3 program. The state runs it. We have a bunch of companies here that are now um, engaged with that, um, that are V3 certified, including the chamber. We are V3 certified. We'll have to get you V3 certified, Jerry. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, it's very easy. You could be a one company and still be V3 certified. Um, and what this says is, in essence, that all things equal, if I have a qualified um, veteran who meets the requirements of that job, all other things being equal, I will hire the veteran. And oftentimes these veterans are already going to come with maybe a security clearances which are needed for some of these positions. The thing that, that's, that's a concern are right now our kids are so involved with the social media that they're doing things at 17, 18, 19, and 20 that will prevent them from getting security clearances down Put the road. Put that in perspective. What does that mean? Hmm. There's a boatload of parents watching here. Are you talking about the stuff they're posting on their social profiles? The stuff they're posting on the social profiles. Moms and dads, listen Moms to this. Moms and dads. Um, this is important. Well, I will tell you that, 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 you know, if they have a misdemeanor or if they're so, I mean, anytime you're looking to get a position with a major defense company and that's doing classified stuff. Now, there's a boatload of companies doing defense work that's not classified. Sure. But let's just, for this, this conversation, talk about the classified ones. You're going to have to get a security clearance. They will investigate you from the day you rolled out of the cradle. <laughs> and every place you've lived, everything you've done, everything that you've ever posted, our kids today are hurting their future opportunities by being so public. And I think that's the point that, that needs to get made. I mean, they're getting skills in other kind of ways on social media, but they are setting themselves up for disappointment later on um, in life because of what they're doing now at 17, 18, and 19. I'm giving you props for that. 
She's getting props for that. Parents need to hear that. <laughs> Catherine Lochner just said, that's a bombshell right there. Parents do need to be more involved with what their children are doing online. I will add to this, and then we'll get Natalie involved here on the role the chamber has with unifying the jurisdictions. Um, a good example of this, um, we recently had in the first quarter of this year um, a little spate of crime. And the police chief of Almoral County, Chief Reeves, said... Who's a veteran. Who's a veteran. Fantastic guy. He said to the local newspaper, this is the first time that he can remember that Almoral County was at the same, ta same table as the Charlottesville Police Department, the Almoral County Police Department, the University Police Department, and they were mm -hmm. all communicating with elected officials. That blew me away. Yeah, mm -hmm. That you have jurisdictions that are adjacent, and for the first time in the first quarter of this year that they literally were at a table communicating face-to-face. -face. But before I get to that, I'll get um, add to what Letty said. We get the question constantly from teens and Gen Zers, how do I continue, how do I get into social media influencing? And I try to discourage this question. This is a 300,000 person market, Central Virginia, and there is one person out of 300,000 that is making a full-time salary living and hiring other people to be a social media influencer, and that's us. <laughs> so there's one out of 300,000 that, that is doing this professionally. So the teens that are watching this program that want to make a legitimate living, I'm talking about he owns a house, our family owns a house, our kids are going to, to schools that we got to pay for. To be able to do that, it's one in 300,000. The odds are stacked against you. I literally tell them that to start. Um, I would love to hear how you could be a catalyst to get jurisdictions at the table together to communicate. It looks like to me the POP, the proof of performance, is this economic analysis because it was commissioned by the chamber, right? Mm -hmm. Spearheaded by the chamber. And you had what? Alborough County pay for it, yeah. Charlottesville pay for it, and UVA pay for it. Mm -hmm. You guys Foundation. are already doing it. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Show is yours on that topic. Yeah, well, Jerry, nobody, you know, Distinguishes when you drive across, you know, out of Charlottesville into Almar. Nobody, nobody knows, right? Unless you've been living here for a long time and can easily distinguish. Like now, I'm in Charlottesville. Now I'm in Albemarle, and so I think it's critical that we be sitting down at the same tables, having these conversations. Absolutely, one thousand percent. The chamber is the convener, right? That is our one of our three C's. We are convening stakeholders to have all of these important dialogues and we'll continue to do so absolutely into the future. Your thoughts on the importance of that, Letty, of having everyone at the table. Because when I mentioned the comment first quarter, uh, Police Chief Reeves of Valmore County, this is the first time he said in a very long time that the police and the jurisdictions were communicating because it was actually a and, uh, some crime that went cross jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. It started in Charlottesville and finished in Valmore County. Well, they have done some things regionally. I mean, our emergency management um, center, or EOC, or whatever it's called here, it, it involves the city, the, the county, and the university. So there are some regional things. Obviously, the libraries are somewhat regional. Um, but I, I think to the extent that you can do that, um, that everyone's on the same sheet of paper. And I will tell you that, that right now, we have agreements between like the Albemarle County Fire and Ravana Station. They have 
um, contractual or um, agreements. If something happens, who's going to respond first? I think just the lines of communication and the lines of responsibility between, say, first responders and schools and all of the things that go on, I think those policies and those responsibilities and obligations just need to be, if they haven't already, in my, and I don't know anything about how it really is working, and my guess is they're probably a lot better than we think, um, that, that everyone just needs to know who's, who's on first, who does what, how it gets done, and whatnot. Um, so it, and then you have, you know, in a real situation, I mean, we have been so blessed in our geography with what's going on mm-hmm. in the universe. Every bad storm goes north of us, it goes south of us, it goes over us, and everybody else with the heat and the fires and the floods and the everything. And, and yet, you, you know, the question is, do, do, we, do we know how the, how the federal entities come into play? Do we know how the Guard comes into play? Does the Guard know how they come into play? The Reserve has emergency. They, as of 20, I don't know, 14, I think, or 2016, the Reserve now has obligations for... Uh, jumping in and doing some things, but do the county emergency folks now know how to reach out and get those assets? And so my guess is that they probably do. It's just that when you have turnover and when something happens, that's when everyone gets into a big uproar. Um, but I, I would just hope that that all of the organizations that have similar missions in the different geographies or different municipalities are all actually um, talking to each other and have understand who who's on first I love it Jamie Turner works in the defense sector your comments on sharing too much on social media he says bingo that's absolutely <laughs> right right there and he has said on the show um, that he has been told by his supervisors that he cannot have the app TikTok on his government phone because of the ties to China. I'm hearing that from a number of people. In fact, the University of Virginia just told its staff um, and, and, students. and students that they cannot have, staff cannot have it on government or UVA-issued equipment, and students cannot get on TikTok on UVA Wi-Fi. Um, that's putting some things in perspective. A lot of questions coming in. We're trying to get to as many as possible. We're already an hour in. Yeah. Time flies yeah. when you're having fun. <laughs> um, this is a great one for you. Uh, this is from Jennifer. Can you ask Miss Mastery how you pronounce her middle or maiden name? <laughs> that one's come on the feed here. So, and I'll I'll just say it's it's Masri, like Mazda. Well, no, I think she. I think yeah, she and I understand it. my maiden name, yeah. but yeah, not Masri. Okay, Ma- Masri. Okay, and so it's. Um, my maiden name is Safertau. Okay. So my family is from Czech Republic. My parents are immigrants. They came, um, they escaped communist um, Czechoslovakia in 1968. And so I um, come from an immigrant background. I grew up in Canada and came to this country actually in 2001. I love it. Uh, yes. We have similar uh, ties there here. My mom and my Mima and my poppy. Um, came from Cuba in 1958. They left Cuba right before Castro implemented his communist regime. Mima and Papi and my mom, upper class, Mima involved with politics, they were the folks that were getting murdered. They left an upper class lifestyle, headed to Miami, where Mima was a hotel maid and Papi was a ditch digger and mom was put into the third grade without being able to speak English. Mm -hmm. So I respect everything that you just said. Ladies, we'll close with some closing thoughts. 
you have a take all the time. I love this about you. Anywhere you want to go, any take you want to offer for the viewers and listeners. We have a robust community, and everyone needs to be involved in maintaining it, keeping it, stop littering. Uh, I mean, it's just, there's just some things going on that are just are beyond me, and I don't know if it's, you know, parents aren't teaching kids, but um, I just think you need to be involved, and there's so many ways that you can use your skills. It doesn't matter. You have something to offer, mm -hmm. and... I would love for you to get involved with our chamber, our Defense Affairs Committee. Mm -hmm. um, the, I'm, there's going to be some things coming up that I'm going to. We have our Military Persons of the Year Awards that we do every year. It's on uh, October 26th at North Fork where we recognize the top uh, enlisted folks at the military organizations as well as the cadets and midshipmen at the ROTC departments. And that's on the 26th of October. Um, the 26th, I think, of September is a giant event at Walnut Creek Park called Seize the Day, S-E-A-S, -S, Seize the Day. It's hosted by uh, West Point Society that's here, as well as the county uh, parks department. It's a giant event for military and veterans and their families. There's uh, all kind of Mission Barbecue will be serving their delicious lunches. Um, we'd love to see everybody come out for that. And there's a number of other events, which I will get to you, Jerry, so you can post it. I can't wait to do that. Natalie, the show is yours. Thank you. Yes. Well, Jerry, there is so much more to the chamber. Today, we have just barely scratched the surface. So we shared about our Defense Affairs Committee and about this very, very timely study but we actually have eight affinity groups that are all doing really incredible things. And so we have our Minority Business Alliance. They have a gala that is coming up in September, September 15th. They're gonna be announcing the recipients of their enterprise grants. It's a very, very exciting opportunity. I encourage folks to come to that. Um, we have our North Charlottesville Business Council that's very active, as well as our Aging in Place Roundtable. Our Business Women's Roundtable just hosted an absolutely incredible Connections luncheon last week. Um, and then, of course, our Public Policy Committee, which is very active, and then the Cadre, the Charlottesville Area Development um, Roundtable that's looking at the zoning ordinance and how, you know, how, what that means for our community and creative growth policies and processes. And so there's so much to the chamber. We forgot rising Please. professionals. Oh, rising, yes. Very rising professionals. For, they for have, young sorry, folks. I thought I had mentioned that. Um, they have um, incredible volunteer opportunities that are coming up at the food bank. So please go to our website, have a look at all of these really fantastic active opportunities. You know, I understand the future is hybrid, future of work is hybrid, and I know it's comfortable to be sitting behind your desk, but <laughs> get out into the community. Um, you will meet people, you will build your network, you will learn, and the, you know, there are just really incredible opportunities. Um, so yes. Join the chamber. We are here for you. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you know what you're what you're facing and how we can help you. And um, and you know, being a member of your local chamber of commerce is really a value add. It is something that can build your business 
and it is something that's extraordinarily valuable to your employees. It will really set you apart, um, and it will demonstrate you as a strong community leader. So um, join us and be a part of something very exciting as um, as Charlottesville continues to evolve in Albemarle. I love it. You guys are an interviewer's dream. All the viewers and listeners that watch the program, we love you. We love you, Neil Williamson. Neil Williamson, a sit-down with these ladies. You should do it. It would be a fantastic potential partnership and conversation waiting to be had. Reach out, or they will reach out to you. Make it happen, Neil Williamson. We love you. The president of the Free Enterprise Forum, Judah Wickhauer, you're amazing. Thank you for keeping us online. 13 years he's been here at I Love Sevo and V&V Brands. Thanks, That's Judah. today's show. Thanks, um, it gave you a glimpse on some pretty important information here in Almar County and Charlottesville and Central Virginia. All we want to do is be the water cooler of what's going on in our community. We don't care if the news originates with us, with you, with Natalie, with Letty. We just want to be the water cooler of information. There's so much positivity in this community that we need to highlight, and not enough people are doing it. For Natalie, for Letty, for Judah, I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. And Liza, our mascot, support the Charlottesville Police Department. Be the change and you want to be. And Albemarle, Albemarle County. Yeah. Support the Albemarle County Police Department. You are fantastic at this. Uh, thank you kindly for joining us. We will be back tomorrow at 10.15 a.m. with Real Talk, our real estate show. Join us then. Take care, everybody. It's awesome. He's going to tell us what the mics.